0: What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. Today, we are starting Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, and I just want to welcome you guys into this. As we get started, we're going to read verses 1 through 11, and we should just focus on this this first half of the chapter today. But let's read this together as Paul (coughs) greets the Corinthians once again, and uh, we'll talk a little bit. So, It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful, Father, and source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer." We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and we will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks, because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. All right. well let's talk about the introduction first. So in this, Paul starts out in verses 1 and 2, and he introduces himself as the author of this letter. And this was his normal greeting, and it was becoming very necessary. Uh, You know, Paul always did this with all of his letters. He always had his kind of usual greeting. But it was pretty necessary for Paul to introduce himself to the Corinthian church once again, especially as an apostle, because there were still some that did not recognize him as an apostle, um, especially the one guy who assaulted him. And then he had a few followers who were still not wanting to recognize Paul. And Paul speaks of being chosen in this by the will of God Um, it was not um, his will it's not something that he wanted it was not man's choice but it was God that snatched Paul up in the midst of Paul fighting harder than anyone else in the world to extinguish Christianity from the planet it was God and God's will that called paul to be an apostle and and that's what paul is pointing out to these people as he is writing this letter that he was chosen by god to be an apostle it wasn't up to anyone else or himself and he even states who this letter is for and obviously it's for the corinthians but he also mentions for any believer that would be in greece Um, now the letter specifically for the corinthian churches but Paul always intended for his letters to be shared with the greater populace so that it would have more influence um and, and Paul always wanted that Paul wanted as many people to believe as possible and typically Paul also understood that typically if if one group of people struggling with something more than likely there are other people who are struggling with the same thing so he's kind of casting a net here you know he's not just fishing with a line but he's casting a net. He's throwing this out there. He's sending this letter out to all the churches in Corinth, but also basically any of the churches in Greece uh, that would be receive this letter and read it, that they would be able to receive direction and guidance from this letter. So um, Paul is trying to cover a, a larger territory here than even just Corinth, but it's, very, it's pretty specifically uh, written to Corinth, if that makes sense. Now, another interesting thing is that Paul refers to these people as holy. Now, some of your translations will read saints, and that's that would seem a little humorous considering all that's going on uh, with these people in their churches, all the sins they were dealing with, all the struggles, you know, the attacks on Paul. They don't seem very holy. They don't seem very saintly. Now, you do have to remember that this is 2,000 years ago. It's a different continent, different culture, different ethnicity, different language. It's a different everything. And so, um, you know, we use the term "saint" to represent someone who has displayed a or set an example of holiness beyond the normal. Um, likewise, you know, we use the term "holiness" uh, or "holy" to express an above and beyond commitment or relationship with Christ. And during this time, you know, the term "saint" or "holy." were really just terms that the the Greeks used to describe, or the Greek-speaking people, the New Testament people, uh, used to describe anyone that simply had a relationship with Christ, uh, because during this time, to even claim to be a Christian was already setting yourself apart from the rest of the world. Now, we find that really hard to understand, especially in the American culture, because You know, America was founded underneath Christian principles and laws. Now, I'm not going to say that we've always been a Christian nation, but, you know, a lot of our laws and a lot of our culture uh, leading up to about the past 20 years has always been based off of, uh, you know, biblical law, Christian laws and Christian values. Now, that's changed a lot over the past 15, 20 years, but, you know, we would still consider ourselves a Christian culture, and because of that... Even when you look today, it's very hard for us to separate the church from the rest of the world. And that's very evident because a lot of churches, rather than standing up for biblical values, a lot of churches are adopting worldly values as far as accepting um, things like just different types of sin. You know, transgender, homosexuality, um, you know, nudity sexuality you know it's not even a matter of uh you know just focusing on one group here you know a, a lot of churches in a lot of ways have really adopted uh you know some of the world's culture rather than sticking to biblical values but during this time to say that you were a Christian you were you were automatically pulling yourself out of the world and doing something that was very different and frowned upon by most people and you got to remember that so uh, to even call yourself a Christian was already setting yourself apart as holy, setting, setting yourself apart as a saint because you were different than the rest of the world just because you were claiming it and, and you were extending yourself to that. Now, Paul refers to God the Father and the Lord Jesus, and this is very important because it implies that that God is the father of all of us. As he's writing the Corinthians, you know, he, he's communicating that God is all of their fathers. And that means that they were siblings in Christ. So so the men and women in Corinth were Paul's brothers and sisters. Um, sons and daughters of the one true God. Now, <clears throat> he, he mentions Jesus, which is important because Jesus is the one that made it possible for all of this to happen. You know, none of us were born with the right to be a child of God. Rather, um, we were born into sinfulness and separation from God. So, Jesus provided the way that that gave forgiveness for that sin and reconciliation to the heavenly Father. So, we have now we've all been adopted by our heavenly Father by his mercy, by his merciful choice to love us, even though the, we were not um, his in the beginning because of our sin. And that's really important, you know. He's kind of identifying like we're all sinners. We've all been saved by grace, by Jesus Christ, and we're all God's children. That's kind of important. And sometimes we overlook things like that. And the reason why this is important is because Paul is addressing you know, family issues that need to be worked out. And we're going to be talking about that later on. Now, because of the adoption, we have access to grace and peace through that adoption. And this is the same grace and peace that Paul is Wishing on every person that will hear this letter. And remember, you know, the people who are going to receive this letter, some are his supporters, but a lot of them have opposed him. And there's still a few who are still opposing him and not acknowledging him as an apostle. But he's still wishing grace and peace on all of these people, even the ones who attacked him Um so viciously that we talked about last week he's still wishing grace and peace upon him on them paul loves these people and he wants everyone to be restored to christ and that's paul's goal it's always been his goal for everyone to be saved and be in good standing with jesus christ now um so that's basically the greeting you know i think it's important we just kind of go through that and know what paul is is saying in that in that aspect. But now that we've talked about that, let's talk about how Paul opens up pretty much the start getting into the meat of the letter. Um, And so one of the things that you always have to consider when you are reading scripture is that it's not just a letter from one person to another person or to just a group of people. but, But typically, even in the midst of these letters, worship is taking place Um, as these passages of scriptures are being written down. Now, Paul is giving God praise and worship as he's writing to these people. He's giving God credit. He's giving God adoration in the process of doing ministry with the people of Corinth. And that's something that you need to look for in every passage of scripture we read. And so you wonder, like, okay, how is stuff, how do we know that things are inspired by God? How do we know that this was... This was, uh, you know, that God wanted this message communicated. Well, look for the worship in it. Uh, that That's huge. The, the fact that Paul is giving God credit and honor and glory and that he's praising God in the midst of this letter as he's writing a letter, even to kind of like, you know, correct these people in Corinth, that he's still worshiping and praising God in the midst of this. That's super important because... God inspires during times of worship. God inspires us to worship. So if worship is taking place in the midst of this letter, then it probably can be safely assumed as being inspired by God. And thats uh, I think it's really fair to say that if all of God's word is inspired, then more than likely, Worship is going to be taking place in the midst of these things being written down. And you see that in this as Paul is writing about uh, his praise and giving God credit and honor and glory. Um, So, Paul's giving God praise and worship as he's writing this letter. He's giving him credit and adoration. And Paul not only refers to God as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, but he's also merciful and the God of all comfort. And that's important because Paul continues to talk about how God comforts us in troubled times. And he does this so that we can comfort others. And so comfort seems to be something that Paul keeps mentioning. So let's talk about that for a second. Whenever you see things kind of being repeated there's usually a reason or there's there's something behind it a lot of times more than we can get just from reading it in English so we have to dig a little bit so let's talk about um, what that word comfort means because I I think you guys will like this a lot so comfort in the um, English language is a very warm and soothing word and we like the word comfort today you know it's not something that we shy away from we love to be comfortable you know one of the the, the greatest selling points of things is oh this chair is the most comfortable chair I've ever sit in these shoes are so comfortable these pants, this shirt, this hat you know everything about it is 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 comfort you know we we seek comfort significantly in our lives and um, it, it's a warm and soothing word and, and when you think about comfort it, it's really, whether you realize it or not, comfort is more of a feminine thing, um, and not—and I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I mean, you know, just think about it for a second, and just kind of play along with me as I try to explain this. And I hope I'm not offending anyone when I say that, but but comforting is really tends to be more of a feminine word. So, let's say, for example, you know, I've got two kids, or I got three kids. Two of them are toddlers. Um, you know, our, our new little girl, Hattie, she's only like five months old, so she's not doing much of anything right now. But let's talk about Perry and Naomi. They're they're two and four. And when Perry and Naomi want comfort, um, they don't come to me for comfort, okay? They, they go to their mother. And, and Hannah loves that. Hannah loves that they come to them. So she loves to hold them, you know, if they fall down and get hurt or anything like that. They're always running to Hannah first, my wife, that is, their mother. They want to run to her to get that comfort, to be loved, to be cared for, to be taken care of in that moment. And that comfort is such a wonderful thing. And so whether we realize it or not, um, comfort is more of a feminine thing. Now, comfort is a wonderful thing, but now think about this. And it's cute when the kids are two and four and they're running to mama for comfort, but how... Gross would it be for a 17-year-old kid uh, or a teenager, you know, or let's just say even a 25-year-old young man or even a 25-year-old girl um, to fall down and get hurt and run over to their mama and cry to receive comfort? It's like it's cute and it's necessary as a kid, but comfort kind of like becomes one of those things that at a certain time that comfort is no longer... Um, in some ways it's no longer acceptable or, or seen as beneficial. And in fact, if you partake in it too much, it can be negative. And so let's talk about that. You know, it's like if you stay in the comfort of your chair too much, then you get lazy and you get fat and you get out of shape. If, and we love comfort food. You know, comfort food is delicious. I love to eat. But if I partake in it too much, then I become fat and out of shape and, you know, get diseases from things like that. So we have to be really careful that we don't fortake in that. And comfort's one of those things as we understand it. We love it, but in the same way, if we indulge in it too much, it can bring more harm than good. Um, so, but how we understand comfort in our language today is very different from what Paul meant when he wrote this in the original word that he wrote this um, in with the Greek. And so you got to remember, as Paul's writing this letter, this is basically 2,000 years ago. Different culture, different people, different language, different continent. And you got to keep that in mind so as paul is referring to the god as the god of comfort the greek word that he used that was uh, translated into comfort was paraklesis which uh it, it has a form of comfort to it um but rather than a mother kissing a boo-boo okay so so not my wife kissing my kids you know scratch on their hand or you know their elbow or something like that, or they stubbed their toe or something you know, to make them feel better, imagine uh, your child or, or my two children, my, my two-year-old, my four-year-old, who uh, go outside and they're walking with us at nighttime and they hear something that scares them. And in that moment where they are terrified and they're afraid and and they're walking with me and my wife, guess who they go to in that moment? They don't go to their mother to receive comfort they go to their father to receive a different type of comfort okay and and the comfort they're seeking from me is very different than the comfort that they usually seek from their mother because if they get scared if they feel like they're 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 literally in harm's way It never fails. They immediately run to me. They climb up on me. They will be like spider monkeys. They start climbing up my legs, my back, my arms. That They are on me and they want me to hold them because they know that I will protect them, that I have something more to offer in that moment than what my wife does. Now, um, I love my children, but I'm also not very comforting to them in times of hurt or pain. Especially with my son, I encourage him to be tough. I encourage him to shake it off, not to cry about it, not to not to act like a baby. Don't run to mama every time you get hurt, but you know suck it up and know that yeah it hurts, but you're gonna be okay, so he knows that there's something more that I have to offer than just comfort, but I have. You know, this ability to protect them and sustain them during a time where they feel like their life is threatened. And now, granted, their life isn't threatened. I don't guess they've ever been in a situation where their life has been threatened. But even though they think their life is threatened, I'm the one that they run to. And so when when Paul is describing God as the God of comfort, he's the God of periclesis, which is a form of comfort. But it's also referring to the idea of, of being brave and upholding and sustaining and strengthening. And so when Paul is talking about how God is the God of comfort... God is the God of bravery and upholding and sustaining and strengthening you. So so when he's talking about that comfort, that's more of the things that he's referring to rather than just comforting you because you feel bad. He's going to hug you and he's going to make you feel warm. He's going to make everything all better. That's not exactly what Paul's talking about. And so also take into consideration that when we read scripture, um, that... That, and he's saying that God is the God of all comfort, that Paul is referring to God in the Greek as paraclete. So, so God is able to comfort you, which is paraclesis, but he's the God of comfort who is paraclete with a capital P, and that's a noun form given to God. And so to understand that in several passages of scripture like John chapter 14, 15, and sixteen, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is referred to as our paraclete with a capital P. He is our comforter, he, he gives us bravery, he gives us sustenance, he gives us strength, he upholds us in these difficult times. And then in um let's see, in first John two, Hebrews two, and Luke two uh, Jesus is referred to as the paraclete. He's the one that, that holds us, sustains us, gives us strength and comfort and bravery during those difficult times. And so it's very, to under, very important to understand that God is not just a comforter like a mother. He doesn't just want to give you a hug and kiss your boo-boo and send you on your way like what you just went through was not that big of a deal. No, He is God your Father. He's the one that when, you know... The the poop hits the fan that you can lean into Him and you can go to Him and know that He's got your back. He will protect you. He will uphold you. He will sustain you. He will provide for you. He will give you strength. He will give you bravery. He will give you everything you need to make it through that moment when you know that your life is in danger. And so Paul is referring to God as the Paraclete. Uh, He is. He is paraclesis. He is the one who can provide for you in those moments where there is fear and uncertainty. That he is the one, he's that rock, he's that sustainer that we all need. And so this is how Paul is referring to God in this moment. And it's important to understand that in other passages of scripture that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all referred to as the paraclete. He is the comforter. He is the sustainer, the one who can see us through all these situations. And, you know, uh, I, I kind of mentioned that a little bit in our sermon on Sunday that, you know, the Holy Spirit's kind of this confusing, or not the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is, is kind of this confusing thing that we don't always understand very well. But it's really important to remember that the Trinity is very real. It is very. Uh, Affirm throughout Scripture that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three in one, and so I think it's really neat to see that God the Father, the God of of comfort, is uh, and the Holy Spirit is also the comforter, and Jesus the Son is also the comforter, and, and God ref- the Bible refers to all of them as that comforter, which is also the sustainer, the giver, the the caretaker, the protector, the the giver of bravery in those moments. So. Um, That's really important. I thought that was really cool to just kind of know what that word really meant and to kind of apply that to our life. Now, likewise, as followers of Christ, as we have been comforted in these moments where we have ran to our Father for him to comfort us, to strengthen us and sustain us um, through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we also receive the ability to help and do the same for others in their times of need. And we do that through testimony and prayer and just assisting them. And sometimes just being present with them during the difficult times of life, when during the uncertainties of life. Just being present and not necessarily doing anything uh, is, is a way that we can help comfort and sustain and strengthen people. Um, and And these comforts and strengthenings and sustainings are not just meant to carry us through in these moments, but when God... You know, he speaks to us and he gives us these times and we we receive these things from him. It's almost like we are being given um, spiritual gifts. You know, we talked a lot about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, but when God becomes our comforter, it's like we're receiving a new spiritual gift. When we receive comfort from God, it gives us the ability to give comfort to other people who are struggling and dealing with things. And that's really important to understand. Now, if if you're sitting here today and you're reading this, and you're saying, okay, I'm going through a really hard time. I need the Lord to comfort me, but I also need other people to comfort me during this time. I need other Christians to comfort me. You need to understand that it's difficult to receive comfort from other people if you never reveal to other people that you are going through a hard time or if you continuously deny that you need anything to them. That's important to understand. We have to admit that. Okay, Um, as much as there is a responsibility on your part to cry out to God in prayer, there's also a responsibility on your part to share your burdens and requests and concerns with others so that they can join you in prayer and even possibly assist you in some way through the difficulty or at least just be there with you and pray for you during those times. You have to communicate that it's important that we don't look down on other Christians or or, or our church or our brothers and sisters in Christ if we have not cried out to them for help, okay? As much as we have to cry out to God, we also have to make those burdens known to uh, our brothers and sisters. And so, they have a calling on their life to bring comfort and stability to our needs. But we also have to remember that they are not God and they don't know all things like God knows all things. So, They're merely people, and they're called by God to bring comfort and strength as they have been brought comfort and strength by God in their own lives. And remember this, one more thing. In saying that, people cannot give what they have not received. Okay, You can't go up to somebody and ask them for a million dollars and expect them to give you a million dollars if they don't have a million dollars. And so you can't go up to someone in your church and say, Hey, I'm going through this. I need you to help me. Well, if they're not a a mature Christian, if they're not spiritually mature, if they haven't gone through hard times and experienced the comfort, that strengthening, that sustaining of the Lord in their own life, they can't give that to you. And you need to be aware of that. So you need to be sharing this with people who you have the utmost confidence in their walk with Christ. Those are the people you should be sharing it with and expecting on them to come alongside of you and comfort, and strengthen, and sustain you during the hard times. Now, that brings us to verse 5. So in order to be comforted by God, or strengthened and sustained by God, there needs to be circumstances for his spiritual and physical sustenance to be provided. Now, this means that there must be suffering. And Paul says that the more we suffer, the more God will shower us with comfort, and strength, and courage. So it's a bittersweet paradox. You know, we don't we don't want to suffer, but at the same time, we all want to experience God. So we want to experience His His provisions, His power, His authority. But if we want those things, then we have to be willing to experience sufferings in order to experience the aspects of God that we want to see and experience. So this is why Paul said it's for your comfort and your salvation that he and the other believers are weighed down with these troubles. It was for their benefit because the people needed to see God working and moving on behalf of Paul. They need to hear that testimony. They need to know that God can do it. Can you imagine what Christianity would be today without us being able to read about the sufferings of Paul and the other apostles and the other people in the early church? I mean, Christianity would have ended a long time ago. Everybody would have given up because as soon as things got hard, people would have said, nope, this is too much for me. I cannot do this. Christianity would have never made it. But because it was communicated that God was not only able to provide and sustain, but he did provide and sustain. Paul is communicating to the Corinthians right now that, dude, they were crushed. They were about to die. they were They were scared for their lives, and they thought for sure they were going to die. And God was able to provide and sustain even during those moments where they thought all was lost. And because Paul is communicating it to them, they know that God can step in and do the same for them. And just like for us right now, whatever you're going through, you can read this and know that Paul suffered some crazy things. And that God showed up and sustained him and protected him and gave him strength. Even in the midst of some of the worst things going on in his life. Now Paul is, is absolutely confident that if these people are willing to share in their sufferings with Christ, that they will also share in the comfort of Christ and blessings and strengthening and sustenance. So we got to be willing to endure the sufferings. And that's one of the things I want to communicate to you today that Paul's saying in this. So, so Paul moves on in verse 8. And he wants to enlighten the Christians about some of the suffering that he and other believers endured in Asia. Now, we don't know exactly what those sufferings were, but we do get some slight mentionings of them in in different passages. So like, for instance, Paul talks about battling wild beasts in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, He talks about being whipped, like 39 lashes, um, in 2 Corinthians 11, which we'll read later on. He talks about a riot in Ephesus in Acts 19. He experiences the short persecution in Troas, mentioned in Acts 20 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And then Paul also has this like recurring physical ailments that he deals with. Um, we see that a lot. So, so Paul is dealing with a lot of things, but Paul refers to the thought that they were all going to die i mean like he w- he communicated this in his letter he he really thought they were all going to die um they weren't going to endure what was going on whatever it was they they w- did not expect to live through it and he explained how this situation that they were in in asia was beyond their ability to survive they had no control it was beyond their control beyond their strength beyond their ability and as a result of the intense suffering and fear that they endured they learn to stop relying on themselves and to rely on God. Now that sounds simple. Like we can read that really quick and just pass over and be like, oh yeah, we stop relying on ourselves, we rely on God. That sounds really good. But to actually get to the point in your life where you stop relying on yourself and you genuinely, truly, 100% rely on God, you've got to go through something really terrible to get to that point. You have to be enduring a situation that you have no power, no authority, no ability, no hope of making it through other than the fact that you have a Heavenly Father who can bring you through it if He chooses to do so. And so you have to say, God, I can't do this. You're the only thing I got, and I'm relying on you. So it sounds simple, but It's got to be one of the worst and most difficult situations that you'll ever go through in order for you to get there. And we love to say that we fully trust in God, but we don't until we reach that point of no control. We don't until we reach that point where we have no power and authority, where we can't improve our circumstances, that we need something beyond ourselves in order to do that. And that's how we get to that point. So... Um, you know, Paul and these people are forced into desperation to truly rely completely on God. And, um, you know, it takes something painful and undesirable for that to happen. But thankfully, it happened. While it is painful, it will be one of the most beneficial things that we as Christians will ever, uh, encounter. Because it will be one of the most, uh, enlightening moments in our spiritual lives. It will be one of the best days of our spiritual lives when we fully rely on God. It will change everything. Um, and the day that we let go and we let God sustain us is the day that we're truly free from anything in this world that will grip us. And that's one of the ways that you can know, do I truly rely on God? Well, is there anything in this world that's still holding you, that's gripping you? Sin? Fear? Uh, addiction? You know, just just a th- thought of, of losing something, not sure if you can give something up, like that's a grip that the world has on you. You fully rely on God, the world has no grip on you whatsoever. And Paul refers to this as that they expected to die, but it didn't matter anymore once you fully rely on God because they trusted in God who raises people from the dead. Now, once they were on the verge of losing it all and their very life was, was in danger and they realized that, hey, Even if we die, God has the power to raise us from the dead. He's promised to raise us from the dead in the resurrection. They had nothing to lose. There was absolutely nothing to lose. So so nothing from that point on could be taken from them. God was in control. God is always going to win. And God won in that situation. God rescued Paul and his uh, partners in ministry. And because of that, They were even more confident that God could rescue them again in the future, and they were more confident that God could be with the Corinthians and comfort and and give them strength and save them from any situation. It changed their perspective of everything about ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. There was no longer any reason to fear. And so this morning, or as I'm doing this, if it's not morning right now, whenever you're listening to this, Are you afraid of anything? Because once you fully rely on God, there's no need to fear. Because He is the answer for everything. God had brought comfort and bravery to them in the midst of this uh, dire situation of almost losing their lives. That's really important to understand as you read like how God brings us to these points of faith in our life. But it takes some intense suffering and situations and circumstances in order to get us there. So, as uh, Paul moves on, as we finish up this section that we're doing today, Paul gives credit to the believers in Corinth for praying for them. You know, now, not everybody acknowledged him. I'm sure not everybody was praying for him. But he's giving credit where credit is due. He knows there's people there who are praying for them, so he's giving them credit. And their prayers were a part of the reason that God moved and saved them from their situation in Asia. And so, Paul is communicating the importance of believers to trust in God, And to be able to trust in one another to offer up prayer and comfort and courage and sustenance during this time. You know, we rely on God for those things, but we also should be relying on other believers. You know, they were taking up offerings for the believers in Jerusalem. They were sending them money. They were sending them means of survival. People were sending up prayers to God for for God to protect Paul and the other apostles in their ministry to keep them alive. To, to free them from prison to do all these things and so it takes all of us to do God's will and to cry out to God. And so Paul is communicating this this aspect for for people to to pray and to be a part of it. And that it, it's not just about us doing anything ourselves, but relying on others and relying on God. It's about camaraderie. It's about family. This is why Paul's talking about being brothers and sisters in Christ and having, you know, our our Heavenly Father, the the Father and the God of comfort and peace. Um, It's all about lifting one another up and loving one another. And and this really shouldn't be surprising because, you know, Paul had been attacked by some of these people. Um, No one defended him when that happened. And so as we continue to read next week and we finish up chapter one, Paul begins to address some of the things that had been said to him. Um... And a lot of things that were being said and communicated to him were destructive. They weren't building up one another. They they weren't bringing camaraderie, but rather they were bringing division. They were tearing down. And so what Paul is talking about is we all do this together. We all suffer together. We all pray for one another. We all lift one another up. We all comfort one another because that's what God does for all of his children. And we should be living as God and living as Christ. And so Paul is talking about camaraderie. Um, but as we finish up chapter next week, he's going to start addressing some of the things that happened to him that, that did not bring camaraderie and did not honor God in that way. Okay, So um, as we close up today, I just want to ask you a few questions. Do you need comfort today? Do you need strength? Do you need bravery? Um, do you need to be supported by other believers? Well, I want to challenge you. Cry out to your Heavenly Father. Crawl up in His arms. Trust in Him to keep you safe, to watch over you, to guide you, to give you strength and courage and sustenance. And, and know that, hey, if, you got, if you're just hurt and you just need somebody to kiss you, God will do that. But if you're afraid and you're worried, God is your protector. He, he, he's your, your strength and your salvation. He's the rock that you can stand on. Um, and if you need other believers to come alongside you right now, make sure that you're communicating to them what you need. And make sure you're communicating to people who truly are believers in Christ and not people who are just claiming it. People cannot give you what they have not received themselves. And so you need to go to some believers who've truly received the comfort of God in their own lives, who've endured some hard times themselves, and who can truly give you the comfort that they have received from God themselves. All right, let's pray together and I'll let you go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day and this time we have together. Pray, God, that you would be with us and watch over us. Lord, help us to serve you and love you in all that we do. Be with these people today. Be with me. Lord, help us all to serve you well, to honor you, to cry out to your name and trust you as our God, our Heavenly Father, our God of comfort and our God of peace. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you guys have a great week.